You ever heard the phrase, the more things change, the more things stay the same? And while we love the excitement of new things, it's also nice to have the reliability of something constant. Hey, it's Wilmer Valderrama. And when it comes to insurance, State Farm is a good neighbor you can count on. Solo llama a tu agente. Another way State Farm helps is by supporting the creators and storytellers of the Michael Tuda Podcast Network family. Con la ayuda de State Farm, estamos ayudando y asegurándonos de que nuestras voces sean escuchadas. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. Life is full of surprises. Some good, some not so much. Hola, it's Honey. Hola, it's Carolina. Y sabes que estar preparado para cualquier cosa es importante. Whether that's in our roles as mothers, wives, businesswomen, or podcasters. On our show, Life in Spanglish, you know that being open to unexpected turns has been an important part of our success. Pero we can use some help. Oh, yes. La buena ayuda is welcome. Y si pasa algo, tranquilitos. Isn't it good knowing that with a State Farm agent, you can worry less because someone will be personally invested in safeguarding your goals plus they have the options to talk to a real person whenever a customer needs especially when those unexpected turns come up it's the personalized attention you can count on aprende más en es.statefarm.com como un buen vecino state farm está allí introducing touch-free payments from paypal a safe way for your customers to pay simply download the paypal app and display your own unique qr code for your customers to scan Whether you're a market seller, I'll take two tomatoes and a poodle pamperer, <laughs> piano tuner, or plumber, signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Touch-free QR code payments. Shop safe with PayPal. For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Oh, look at this steak. And the juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mm. And then the fluffy egg and real cheese folded over the side looking just so good. Mm-mm. Grilled onions and a butter bagel, too. Thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. Mm. I participate in McDonald's. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. Believe it or not, you are listening to the 300th episode of the Custard TV podcast. I say believe it or not because it's not technically true, but <laughs> we've done way over 300. But if you include all the interviews I've done, all the desert island comedies and dramas and things, but we are calling this, for the sake of something nice to do, we're calling this episode 300 of the podcast. And so it's with great pleasure that we have reunited the original gang that you know wow. and love. <laughs> well... well Matt in the northern area and Gary in village life now, not in the London area. How are you feeling about um, not being in London? Because London's had a rough time of late. Have you still? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I'm in Kent. We're having just as much a rough time oh, back as white. So, yeah, I mean, it's weird. It, you know, it still takes a bit of getting used to not living in London. But I'm right in the centre of the village with a great high street, loads of shops, local station. I'm fine. I am a parish councillor. Still, they haven't kicked me off. We actually just did a great piece of work together. We've given 20 laptops to local schools to give to families who don't have devices for homeschooling. That's brilliant. Um, Because we found out that we had some money that we could use for it and they had a need. And it it was really good to get that bit of work done. It felt it felt good. 
Yeah, I'm thankful for the Microsoft Service tablet that you sent me as well. But yeah, no, it's fine. Yeah, don't talk about that. <laughs> that was under the table. Uh, <laughs> okay. The tax and reasons. That... that was a gift. Luke. Hey, everybody. Here's our staff. Gary. I've never heard of him before today. And Matt. He's a professional. Talking telly. Try it. Just for one week. Just try the program for one week. This is the Custard TV Podcast. You've got some good news. Yeah. I've 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 had my first vaccine. I've several questions about it. You're the first human that I know of that's actually had the vaccine that I can speak to. So <laughs> Are the other people all robots? Yeah. <laughs> so are you told which vaccine you're having? Do you know if you have the yes. Pfizer or the Oxford? I've had the Pfizer. That was because I was done because I worked for the NHS and yeah. I was in I they signed that anyone who wants it and as people know I'm diabetic and in a vulnerable group therefore I didn't just have it because I could get it I'm I had it because of health reasons mm. um so uh, yeah yeah the Pfizer one and I've got to go back in April and have my second vaccination so and I've do got to you tell have a them date for that or not uh yes it's sometime around about the 3rd of April or something I've got I haven't got okay. it to hand but it's somewhere around the first week of April but I've I know been that told I'm local... not vulnerable enough which is nice but oh. also a double-edged sword what have you yeah. have you written to them to ask? No, I had a letter to say that they know I'm I'm broken, but I'm not broken yeah. enough to. Well, that's oh. nice, isn't it? Yeah. they could have not sent you the letter. letter in the first yeah. place. Can I ask? I, I mean, I've I've read some very, not very nice stories about vulnerable groups. Mm. Are, are you thinking of doing anything about it, like contacting your MP or something? Uh, no, because I know my folks will have it before me. You know, if, if I'm not vulnerable enough, I don't want to take it off somebody who is. So As long as you don't trust, you're fine. Yeah. And let's be honest, I'm not going out a lot. I've got, this is going to take me days to edit. I'm going to be fine for the for, for the time can, being. Can I tell you of the two side effects, though, then, when you Go do on. have it? This is for you and Matt and the general public. Number one, your left arm or your arm you have it in will hurt for about a couple of hours. And secondly, you will either get a headache or you'll feel fatigued for about a day. I think I must have accidentally (laughs) had it and not realised. You've fallen onto a needle recently. (laughs) Uh, I was very lucky. I had the vaccine on the Friday, which meant... So last Saturday, I I basically slept for like most of the day. I think I had about five hours where I was awake. But then the rest of the time, I was either dozing in bed or dozing on the sofa. It just takes it out of you. I mean, I've not changed anything. I still wear my mask everywhere. I'm staying indoors. I'm in the bubble with mum. And we only really ever spend like a day, two days together. Mm. Um, And then, you know, I go home, clean the house. You know, I do all the Mm. things that, you know, whenever I've been out, I always come home, wash my hands, those sort of things. But yeah, yeah, I think when either when I get the second vaccine or when I know more people have been vaccinated, then I'll think it's safer. I'm aware that, you know, I mean, I only got my vaccine sort of two weeks after the the first person was done in the country, wasn't it, in early January or so, or three weeks. I'm really pleased that you've had it. That is is great news. I feel a bit Uh, guilty, if I'm honest. No, you shouldn't. You really Um, shouldn't. Nobody... No, I know. I know I shouldn't, and lots of people have told me that, but I'm just saying I feel a little bit guilty because I feel think of myself as a reasonably healthy 46-year-old, but... I suppose being diabetic, I do need to consider that as well. Exactly. And you know, two toes Aren't you having forty-seven, Gary. No, I'm forty-six. Oh. Don't you start this. My sister said, <laughs> I'm forty-seven this year, but not till October. Thank you, Matthew. Okay. okay. 
I was just like, that was right. That was a healthy 46 year old, naturally, he's 47. But, um, no, you should not feel guilty at all. And, you know, you were going to have it, and you've just had it a bit sooner than you expected. Yeah. So. You shouldn't feel good. I mean, I have to say it's it's mostly because of, you know, and, and if the NHS rollout for how they do everyone else is going as well as how they've done their own staff, then it's going to be a very good, I wouldn't say quick, but it's going to be a simple process to get everyone done because it was dead easy and very, very well explained. You know, they really looked after you, really looked after us when That's we were really there. Good to know. So if they're doing I the same my thing, my only concern, and we will get to the TV eventually. Yeah, this oh, is yeah. really heavy for like yeah. at three hundred. Yeah. My, my only well, concern is, is that you get your second one when you are supposed to, because it's all well and good saying you've done millions and millions of people with the first dose, but yeah. it's not fully done until you've had your second one. So I really hope that. I mean, as the, far as I know, is... my second vaccine is already in the trust, secure. So it's not like you know there's a risk too much of a risk but then of course something could happen i know there's been the new variants and they might need to rush the vaccines out to other people mm. so yeah. let's just see what happens matt what have you been up to save us not much really are you classed as a frontline worker yourself matt no well in terms of the vaccine no i mean we're reset i'm classed as an essential worker but i'm not a front li- i'm not a frontline worker if that makes sense yeah. Because That's the point could could you and Matt class yourself as frontline workers for the website? Get That's moved what I up. said all those years ago, runner and editor, so yeah. people know. Although to be fair, if they know you're a runner, they probably won't give you the vaccine early. <laughs> That's where we'll start. Thank you, Luke, Gary, and Matt. This could be a podcast. A podcast? Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Use your ears and trust them. This is the Custard TV podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. This is the 300th edition of the Custard TV podcast. We've had various variants over the course of the 300 episodes and i'm so pleased just like covid that we just (laughs) so i'm so pleased we got gary back for this special edition we got four shows to talk about we have got itv's finding alice we have got um it's a sin on channel four and all four netflix's latest true crime series the night stalker and new danish drama the investigation just quickly, Gary, have you discovered anything over lockdown this time or last time that you've never seen that you've become really enamoured with? Let's let's uh, let's uh, let's do one for the ladies. Let's head to the hard drive. But have you not done a big box set or anything like that? that no, well, I'm just having to? a look on the hard drive. I finally finished the Salisbury poisonings. Um, Timely. I went back on that one. Yeah, well, you know, I thought that would be good. I finally finished series two of Succession. And I have oh, to no. say, I don't think it was as good as Series 1, but I know you're going to hate me for that. Or that no better. No better. Different. It was different. Yeah. I, I can see okay, why yeah. you liked it, but I can't <laughs> get into it as much. My, my viewing patterns haven't really changed. Quiz programs on a Monday night, and mm. and then the medical drama, you know, New Amsterdam and, and um, <laughs> Star Trek Discovery... I don't think I've watched as much television in this lockdown as I have in others because I've been more busy with work and 
I've always kept the same viewing patterns. Mm. But I don't think, I mean, I've binged a couple of things, but nothing probably since I last spoke to Matt on the podcast a while Did ago. Did you ever watch I May Destroy You? That's next on the list to go back on. I'd be okay. curious on your views on that, Gary. I really would. Okay. Episode 301 might be... <laughs> might have just written itself. Okay, yeah. thank you. Thank you for that. So um, I think we'll start, if if nobody minds... Sorry, can I just... just one, one thing to say. Oh. I, in, a, in a complete departure, I've got notes. God. And I'd like to lead on the investigation when we get to that as well. Yes, absolutely. We should have discuss that beforehand but absolutely you may okay so we'll start with the big show of this week which is if you look at everybody's twitter feed that i follow is channel 4's it's a sin and i wondered matt if you would be happy to walk us through for the sake of the 300th podcast the basic building blocks the basic of... building blocks <laughs> i'd be i'd be honored sleep um your bingo card now yeah. As Luke was saying, Russell T. Davis's latest show for Channel 4. Previously, we've seen him do Queer as Folk on Channel 4 and Cucumber. So this is set in 19- 1981, and it follows um, three 18-year-old lads that were introduced to sporadically throughout the start of the episode. We've got Ollie Alexander from Years and Years, who plays Richie. Um, he's from, is it the Isle of Man or the Isle of Wight? Isle of Wight. He is off to uni to initially study law. He's got very straight-laced parents, played by Keely Hawes and Sean Dooley. He is closeted, going to uni is his first chance to experiment with his sexuality. He also uh, befriends uh, a girl called Jill who studies drama and and eventually he starts uh, on the drama course as well, much to the dismay of his parents when he goes over there for Christmas. Then we've got uh, Roscoe from a Nigerian family, quite a religious Nigerian family. They find a copy of the Gay Times in his stuff and basically try to convert him he's a threat of going back to nigeria so he leaves the house in full drag and when we see him again he is in london with richie and the final sort of main character i suppose is colin who has come to london from uh, wales to work in a suit shop is it or a suit manufacturer yeah, he's working, with on Savile, he's working on Savile Row. On so, yes. Savile Row, something yeah. with ties. And he befriends uh, Mr. Coltrane, who's played by Neil Patrick Harris with a strange accent. Um, Thank you. I thought it was him, but I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't prepared to look it up because I thought I'd be ridiculed. Um, I mean, why absolutely is him. Neil Patrick Harris speaking in an English accent? <laughs> because he is. Because uh, he is. that. So, so yeah, so, and again, you know, by and by, Colin ends up meeting Richie and Roscoe and getting in with that group, and it's all builds up to them moving into a share house together. And the backdrop of this is the AIDS crisis. The Neil Patrick Harris character ends up contracting AIDS. You know, it's very in the early stages. Nobody knows what it is. You know, there's, they're calling it flu. There's this mystery illness. Uh, so that's the basic uh, building blocks, as Luke would say, of the first episode of It's a Sin. I feel like I have spoken a lot about it on Twitter, so I'm going to let Matt and Gary say their thoughts first. Maybe Gary, as you're, as you're the guest, I know probably the subject matter 
was difficult for you, but yeah. what about looking at it as a drama? Did you enjoy the first episode that we watched? Said, I know Channel 4 did a big thing. I think they used old logos throughout most they of did. the day or in yeah. the evening to kind of set it up, which I think was a really nice time. Look, it's very deep in what it's doing. You know, it, it's obviously dealing with you know, the stigma of being gay, the stigma of coming out to your family and, and the differences that you get. And obviously it, it's still very underground at this stage. It's still... You know, you you know, it, it, even to the point where, as you said, when Richie goes home to his parents, he takes the girl with her and they all just assume it's his girlfriend. They don't make mm. and you know, he never says yes or no. They just all assume because they've got no idea of his his sexuality. I have to say, I found the sex scene difficult. It did seem a little bit excessive, but I did like the, the storytelling. And I think the acting was really good. I did like the three actors. They were different, but realistic in their way as well being portrayed you know one very quiet um and unassuming you know richie quite flamboyant and and, and the other guy sort of as you say more open to dressing up and uh, you know yeah. has come from that very religious background I, I thought i thought overall it was very good i won't be watching anymore because i didn't like the, I, I wasn't a fan of the subject matter in itself but as a television show i think it was very good so we've got two reviews. Uh, we've got a sort of a non-spoilery review on the site now from Sarah and actually a one that goes through the whole thing that's actually on the site currently that I haven't promoted from Megan. And one of the things that Sarah said was it was a difficult watch, not because of the subject matter, but because it felt incredibly eerie that it's about a, a mm. virus that people don't understand they're sort of laughing it off you know how does the virus know you're gay etc you know and there's this stigma around it there's a great scene uh when they find out neil patrick Harris's character is ill and they basically leave his food outside of his hospital room because they're not sure what they're dealing with so it's it's difficult on on a lot of different levels it's incredibly timely i felt that it was just one of the best things I'd seen this year. The cast being relatively unknown, I mean, I know people will know who Ollie Alexander is, but they won't have seen a performance from him. And I think Russell does a very good job, as Gary was saying, of making you feel pretty much instantly connected to these people, even though you don't know a great deal about them. And it is that thing of show us, don't tell us, which he is an expert. And I think it's one of the, the most unique and should be praised and I, I and I feel like I don't know a lot about the early beginnings of this virus it's going to be a difficult watch to see these people have it impact on their lives it's going to be a show I want to binge but also I know I'm going to find that not an easy watch I was struck by how how uplifting it was which is something that you don't often see on television as well but I know that's going to be confounded by them discovering what this disease does to them and how it affects everyone around them. And and the performances, as I say, are just some of the best from an unknown cast. And you, you can see that these these people, these actors, are going to go on to be big stars because they just handle this really well. Matt, you had some niggles, and I know you enjoyed it too. I'm interested to know what your niggles okay. were. Okay. So, yeah, so, I mean, I agree with you, Luke, on, on the whole. I, I think this moved at, at a frantic pace at times. You know, it never slowed down, and it, that that was to its benefit for me. You know, it, it catapulted you 
into this sort of world, especially when the focus was on Richie. It slowed down a bit when we had Colin's story because I think the stuff with uh, Neil Patrick Harris's character needed a little bit more time devoted to it. And I think Colin possibly is the closest to Russell T Davis in a way. You know, this is a very personal story to him. He's a Welsh character. Maybe we're just sort of... Um, jump into into assumptions and things. Two things I had an issue with. First of all, I felt that certainly in this first episode, and I haven't seen any more when we're recording this, I felt the character of Roscoe of the three was sort of sidelined a bit. You know, we saw him leaving home, and then the next thing we know... You ever heard the phrase, the more things change, the more things stay the same? And while we love the excitement of new things... It's also nice to have the reliability of something constant. Hey, it's Wilmer Valderrama, and when it comes to insurance, State Farm is a good neighbor you can count on. Solo llama a tu agente. Another way State Farm helps is by supporting the creators and storytellers of the Michael Tuda Podcast Network family. Con la ayuda de State Farm, estamos ayudando y asegurándonos de que nuestras voces sean escuchadas. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. Aprende más en e s.statefarm.com We started our company, Girls Who Do Interiors, before we even graduated design school. And we turned to Chase for Business to build along with us. They had everything from banking to payment acceptance to credit cards all in one place. And with the Chase mobile app, our business is wherever we are. It's made for business owners who build to inspire. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Real customers compensated. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, NM member FDIC. He's in the same pub as as we've seen Richie at, you know, picking up all of his conquests and what have you. It almost felt like there was a bit of a scene missing, you know, in his sort of how he went from being made homeless, being sort of shunned by his family to being this full of life camp member of this scene in london you know i would have liked a little bit more with him does that make sense yeah i yes. I, I, I would have liked to see a bit more of that family mm. um involved and, and again we don't know you maybe you will further down the line mm. my second thing was neil patrick harris i think he took me out of it a little bit because I didn't feel like I was watching this character and he was one of the most pivotal characters in this first episode. You know, he's the first character to get AIDS and, and you know, I, I just felt another actor who possibly isn't as well-known would have been a bit better and someone who was English. You know, he was doing this sort of faux English accent. It didn't really sort of fit for me, If again. But apart from that, I, I'm with Luke. I absolutely love this. I felt that Russell T Davis was really drawing on his own experiences living through this time, you know, where to an extent, as as you said, Gary, gay people had to live in secrecy from their parents, hiding this as much as possible and trying to deal with it in their own ways. And, you know, you saw the awkwardness of Richie's first time, of Colin not quite knowing what where he fit in the world and that, to me, felt genuine. There was an authenticity there. I mean, one of the things that's come out of the on, on the heels of this is the fact that all the main roles, the gay roles, are playing, being played by gay actors. Uh, and it's it sort of had that conversation around uh, representation and that. And do 
all gay parts need to be played by gay actors and i don't if you either of you got any thoughts on that for me it doesn't add or take away anything from the performance whether a character is being portrayed that way because uh, of the actors suppose it's lived experiences yeah. does it add an, an air for example would it have added an air of authenticity if someone else other than alan davis played bob in bob and rose for example not really, because I really enjoyed that performance. Mm. But but I, I didn't spend all the time mm. going, oh, Alan Davis isn't really gay, so therefore... I... But but at the end of the day, I watch it as a TV drama and for mm. a performance. And if, if I buy into that performance, it doesn't matter if the, the guy in the investigation was a real police officer. If I found mm. that boring, I find it boring. You know, it's, it's about... Wasn't, the wasn't there a bit of controversy over a film a few years ago with Jim Carrey where... Is it the I love you something, something? Philip Morris. Philip Morris. And there was controversy over the fact that it was two straight actors playing the two lead roles. Mm. Uh, and people were saying, why couldn't this have been given to gay actors? And I, I, I kind of see it from your point of view. Is I don't need to know anything about the actor's background to note to say that they're playing a good part and doing a good job. No. But then again, I can also sort of see from the other point of view is... You know, and I think about programs, groundbreaking programs like My Beautiful Laundrette and things like that. And, and that would have felt really weird if those hadn't been. But the, the writers were gay, but then the actors I don't know mm. about. But I feel so like it's the just, story that needs to be told more than the casting. Mm. For you, Luke, for example, you know, if you saw a non-disabled actor play a disabled well, I was, character. I was thinking about this. Weirdly, mm. when you brought this up, there's a film mm. called The Upside that mm. I did not see, I've not seen this With Brian Cranston. But Brian Cranston is a wheelchair user in this film. I've only seen the stills from it. Mm. I've not seen the film. And I know Brian Cranston, as you know, is a favourite actor of mine. But it did feel a little bit weird. I've got to be honest, and maybe that's because that's something that affects me. But I was just, and I don't necessarily want a wheelchair user in that role per mm. se. But you get somebody like Brian Cranston in to play a wheelchair user did feel a little bit odd to me. So yeah. I guess I'm conflicted. Because I, I'm... I know you're not an actor, but if you were, you would maybe go, well, hang on a minute, you know, I am in a wheelchair. You bring that experience to it, you know. That's Do you know what I mean? Point. That's a very good point, yeah. But and then I, I put... counter that by saying Luke's nowhere near as good as Brian Cranston as an actor. Well, we don't know. We don't know, Gary. Well, I'll You're take a stab. Pretty... I'm going to take a guess. Uh, no, no offence, Luke. If you send me your Did show you reel, maybe, me? maybe I'll Did you see me as a shepherd in my nativity <laughs> play when I was Is... Send me that DVD, Luke, and I'll <laughs> review it for you. Uh, but, no, I, There's I, I, a reason he didn't make it in the background on the Gavin and Stacey Christmas special. Yeah. But also, though... well, then there's, there's people that go, well... Robert De Niro wasn't a taxi driver, but it didn't stop him. You know, it's like, well, no, that's not quite the same no, thing. No. I, I think know. it's, it's, you know, it's, it's sexuality, it's race, and it's, and it's, you know, disability mm. affliction. Those are the things. Those are your lived experiences. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, su I suppose had I seen that film, which, mm. and I don't know, and I shouldn't bring it up as I hadn't seen it, and I didn't believe his performance. Then, then mm. I would have an issue because for mm. me, it's all about performance. I, I think Pose, for example, which this is very this, I think owes a bit of a similarity it did to. Did feel yeah, did feel like would... Russell couldn't write Pose and so wrote this a bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, that if the um, the actresses in that weren't trans performers, I think that would detract from it. You know, if it was 
a a male or a female a female playing mm. a trans female. Um, yeah. I, the, I think that would take away from it a little bit. Do you not think? Yeah, possibly. And I, I think again to your Neil Patrick Harris point, the issue was he was he was a well known face. You know, if it's mm-hmm. a well known face, and I think that's where they might have gone wrong. And also, why couldn't Neil Patrick Harris be American? It wouldn't have you know ruined the story in any way, and would have stopped your niggle about him being doing this faux English accent. Mm-hmm. I think these are minor niggles, but. It yeah. is a re- it's a really good show. Overall, right? though, loved it. Yeah. We'll be watching it as soon as we finish here. I didn't want to watch past the first episode. No, <laughs> a lot of people are binging it, and a lot of people are saying that they're going to wait. And, I, you know, I've not been a, a fan of that model, but I think I've just got to accept that this is what channels are doing now. Gary, and do, that... you, have, do you have an opinion on it? I don't think we've ever spoken. What is this idea? It? So, repeat, so sorry. The first episode is on, on Channel 4 at 9 o'clock. And then they're all on um, all four now. Same with Finding Alice, which we'll talk about. That's on Sunday nights at nine, but it's now all on ITV Hub and BritBox if people are subscribing to that. They've done the same with the new crime drama, the second series of The Bay. Do you feel like I do it in some circumstances where it's a broadcaster's job to build that audience for nine o'clock or do you like having the option to go and watch it all if you want to what it doing is appealing to both sides of the store of, of of the war on this we've mm. said that there are people out there who only have their television tuned to bbc one because they don't care what's on the other channels mm. and those people are suited by having the same program on at the same time every week every time slot mm. and then there are those of which we probably more fit into because of our our roles where we watch things either recorded or online or on catch up and you know it for us there's the beauty of well i love that series i can go and binge it and i think since certainly coronavirus came around i think more and more tv channels are doing that with their frontline shows it used to be like a bbc3 thing but now everyone does it so i think it's almost like and i'm going to use a very lockdown phrase it's the new normal First, the thing for me will be something like Nine of Duty, which is undoubtedly the BBC's biggest drama. If they stick that all up on iPlayer, I think they're missing a trick because that does huge numbers I, for them. I'm surprised they did it with the Attenborough show, if I'm honest. Um, that, was, that seemed like a mistake to me, but mm, you know, what, what do I know? What I would say in specific in terms of It's a Sin is that Channel 4, and I keep forgetting his name, the head of Channel 4, Ian Katz has come out and said, we are prioritising the awful. That is our our main priority. And I was surprised, actually, that the great they didn't put all on there. And, and that might have something to do with the deal they've got with FX and Hulu and it being on the Stars play on Amazon Prime or something like that. But yeah. if you watch the adverts now for their programmes, they are saying on all four and channel four bbc do that with iplayer yeah but they say bbc one and iplayer so it's the other way around so they are actually saying all four and channel four so they are prioritizing the online player i mean different channels are doing it differently and i think you know channel four have now said yeah this is what we're doing we are prioritizing the shows that would appeal to this so you know they are promoting heavily married at first sight australia for example and um, a lot of the like the the pottery throw down the but you're know, trying to do more of these sort of uh, not procedurals what's the word like reality competition mm. programs mm. things people will be talking about the next day and saying oh you can catch up with that now on on the on the full player and i think they have got a 
a design for what they want whereas as you wrote in that article Luke you know BBC don't quite know what they want to do with our, with iPlayer I, I think it's a bit different we will space out uh, the Keely Hawes dramas actually and we'll give Gary the chance to set up oh. new Danish drama use your notes impress the public I just with... gotta get oh, hold on just keep keep feeling keep feeling <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is a new Danish drama. It's called The Investigation. It's based on a true story from 2017. And unlike every other Danish drama that we've seen on these shores, it went straight to BBC Two and bypassed the usual Saturday nights on BBC Four. Have you got it? I'm ready. Go. This is a, a, a Nordic noir, very a traditional, very traditional Nordic noir. You have a lot of the traits of things like the killing or the bridge you've got like ominous music you've got you know long tracking shots you've got lots of interest in you know weather and things like that but at the base of it as you say as it's a true story is quite a compelling set of circumstances and i think this first episode set the whole series up very well the main character is jens muller who's the head of homicide in copenhagen um, and he works alongside, I think in, in Denmark, they would call it a prosecutor, much like yeah. they do in France. Um, and that's played by our friend, is it Bill Bill Pliskask or something, who played... Pilo Asbeck. That's it. And he was obviously in Game of Thrones. I'll let you continue in a minute, Gary, but just sort yeah. of pulling back the, the curtain a bit on this. You, you, Jens Muller is played by an actor called Soren Malling, who was also in... The Killing and and yeah. in Borgen as well. And these two actors have worked regularly with um, the writer-director Tobias Lindholm, who was involved in Borgen, but also did two films which are very similar in style called uh, A War and A Hijacking, which both of those actors were, were played main parts in. And, oh, and okay. so I think he likes using those actors quite a lot in all of Matt, his productions. I don't think it's fair that you stole that from Gary's notes. Yeah, I have that. Oh, next- sorry. 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 <laughs> You've just literally written that take Well, you can tell everyone that he did the screenplay for the Mads Mickelson film The Hunt, stop, if you want. Stop it, though. You've got all that in the The writer did the screenplay for the Mads Mickelson film The Hunted. Ah, okay. <laughs> the, the <laughs> and whatever. Yeah. So at the beginning, you see a very typical police procedural part where they're going over the cases in the homicide department. And, and you see that there is a particular case that's come up of a, a missing journalist and a sunken submarine. And Jens is a little bit distant. He seems like a very thoughtful person. He moves very slowly, very deliberately. And, and his relationship with his wife and children is a little stilted. His daughter and her new boyfriend come over and he's in the middle of dealing with these cases. And twice during a conversation where she reveals that she's pregnant with his first grandchild... He takes two work calls, and after the second one, they leave because they're a bit annoyed that he's not focused on, you know, with the the emotion that's in front of him. You've got three main detectives plus Jens who are working on it. They interview the person that last saw the journalist alive. He initially says that he dropped her off. Then, as they start to find the sunken submarine and start to excavate that and bring that up, he has a second interview and reveals that. She died as an accident inside the submarine and he doesn't know how the submarine sunk. What's interesting, though, is that you don't meet him, that this is all told through the eyes of people reporting back to Jens. And it's only really towards the end of the show that you're not focused on him. You do get a little bit with the journalist parents and a little bit with the when they bring the submarine up. But most of it is kind of almost over the shoulder camera work from him. 
you know, you're seeing the investigation open up as he does. That's the, the bare bones. The right end of the episode is, is quite dramatic where the submarine gets taken out of the water. And it's quite poignant that it ends on that because a lot of what's going to happen in the rest of the series will come from what's inside that submarine and how that sunk and, and how, you know, if this girl was murdered or not. Matt, how, what, how did you find this? I thought this was really well told. I didn't actually know until I was reading about it after I'd watched it that it was a true story. And I was going, yeah. why are they saying this in 2017? What's the point yeah, of that? The, point. Yeah, the documentary-like way that they shoot it, mm. as you say, the camera over the shoulder, the focus on the really minute details. So, for example, there's a scene in the second episode where they're interviewing someone who had a boat that was near to the submarine and it just focuses on this character's tapping his fingers on the table ahead of being interviewed and and and, and the focus of the expressions there's a great bit in the first episode where you see the parents for the first time and yeah and he the the dad goes to comfort the mum and she doesn't let him and and just little thing little bits of character like that we have got the very generic this character's work is is taking over his personal life the most cliche bit did seem to be that scene at the dinner table where by the time he'd come back from the second phone call his his daughter and her boyfriend had left of the crime dramas that i've seen in recent memory this certainly is up there and i and i was taken by it it's one of those dramas that we've seen. I mean, when you were on last time, Gary, we spoke about Honor, which was very similar in the way that it showed you the painstaking detail that the investigation goes through, as the title would suggest. And one thing that was interesting to me here, and I thought it was at first there was a reason why they were doing it, but they you never see the submarine owner, the guy they've detained, the guy they've charged no, with murder, right. and yeah. they... They don't refer to him by name. They call him the detainee or the accused or, you know, they don't even use his name, which is really interesting. And and I thought they were building up to us seeing him at the end of the first episode and there'd be a big sort of reveal. I felt the, the performance by Soren Malling, who I've always enjoyed in any of these dramas that I've seen him in, you know, he was the right person to, to anchor this drama. But the, the supporting cast as well, the other officers, the the um, actors who were playing the parents, Penilla August, who, Gary, you might remember from The Phantom Menace. She was yes, Anakin Skywalker's mum. Yeah, and Rolf Lasgard, who... Was he the original Wallander? He was one of the Wallanders. I, don't know if, I think he was the replacement Wallander, because the other right. guy died, didn't he? Yeah, the other... The original right. Wallander is no longer Wallander. Okay. Yeah, so I think he was the replacement. So one of the Wallanders um, yeah. is the, <laughs> is the dad. Banner, third Wallander. Yeah. Not Kenneth Branagh, no. I'm really glad that we're talking about this because I had so much mixed feelings. Ultimately, I wanted to hear what you guys thought because my opinions on it are all over the place. So I've struggled a lot with these true crime dramas. They're really well made. The performances are really good. But ultimately... It's not always that interesting to be looking at the meticulous, methodical work of, of police officers. It's why I didn't continue with the Pembrokeshire murders, but it's also what I appreciated about something like Manhunt and Honour, so I don't really know where I sit. The first one I could appreciate was very atmospheric. I love the lead performances, I believe them, but I don't know. I don't know whether it was just too plodding, and, and I felt like... The decision not to show us or not to have us meet this perpetrator who, spoiler alert, is charged with murder 
in the second episode, but to have him not at all be the focus, and it just seemed to me like everything that happened of interest to me was happening outside of the the investigation. It was things I was being told, oh, we've just discovered this and we've just learnt that. And I felt like I was missing bits ways of the story because I didn't see this villain that I couldn't connect with it fully because of that. But the fact that I've seen two and there's only four to go, it wasn't a hard watch at all, but I just, I wasn't compelled. I found it quite boring in the second episode, quite plodding. I don't know. I really I didn't find that at all. Yeah, I just feel like it's missing missing something. Uh, Everything exciting. Gary, what about you? Well, just a quick question to follow up on what Luke's just... Well, well, well. Shopping for a car? Yep. Carvana made financing a car as smooth as can be. Oh, yeah? I got pre-qualified instantly and had real terms personalized just for me. Hmm, Doesn't get much smoother than that. Well, I got to browse thousands of car options on Carvana all within my budget. Doesn't get much smoother than that. It does. I actually wanted a car that seemed out of my range, but I was able to add a cosigner and found my dream car. It doesn't get much. Oh, it gets smoother. It's getting delivered tomorrow. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get pre-qualified today. Right now at Safeway, earn four times rewards points when you shop for participating items with Safeway for you. Shop for items like Ready Whip Whipped Cream, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Din and Danimals Drinks, Philadelphia Cream Cheese, and 7-Up. To earn four times rewards points, Points with Safeway for you. Offer expires January 4th. Plus, get select holiday essentials like gift wraps, bags, holiday decor, lights, and more. Buy one, get one 50% off. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com or head in store for full offer details. Because it's an interesting point. Do you think the fact that it's because it's based on a true story? Yeah. And a lot of the Nordic noirs rely on, I mean, particularly the first series of The Bridge was almost like a and we said it at the time, it was almost like a Die Hard 2 type story. You yeah, know, this fantastical. Wasn't it was it? fantastical. And maybe because it's a bit more grounded in reality, this one, or they have to ground it in reality. Mm. Maybe that's why it feels a bit more yeah. like that for you. And also because we've had a lot of them, we spoke about them, ITV make them one a week. And so it didn't feel particularly unique in that. And I think it's been a choice that the creators have made because this was made with the mm. blessing of those parents that we met, they have, they're completely on board and they want their daughter's story told. It was a massive story in Denmark. You can probably Google the results too and I can probably, if I was so inclined, find out who this awful person was and read all the articles and stuff. But I just, I just didn't feel like anything that compelling was happening on screen mm. and everything I wanted to see was happening off screen and you never meet this person I just the whole thing. I, I disagree that we needed to see it, though. You need to have that imagination to an extent, which I feel our conversations recently seem to see that you feel like you need to see everything on screen. But well, no, I, I, don't. I, I don't. But when you've, when you've got, you know, a story like this and you're only seeing it from one angle, it just mm. it felt like I was missing a lot. It's a bit like that 24 hours in police custody. As, as I enjoyed the the compelling mm. police work as much as I did meeting this crazy lady who was vicious well, and dangerous. And you know, we saw some aspect. It's not like we didn't see anything. You know, we saw them interview the parents. We saw them interview people that knew the the suspect. But I don't think how much would have been added to it had we seen those interviews as well. You know, I think we've seen so many dramas where they do show you all these mm. interviews with the killer. 
I suppose that what have... it does is it puts you on a, a fly on the wall during, as the title would suggest, the investigation. Mm. And if you are interested in the nuts and bolts of police investigation, which feels like to me I've seen a lot, then this is either going to appeal or not appeal. And I just feel like maybe it's come at the wrong time where we've got a deluge uh-huh. of these sort of things after that second one where it ended with the woman's body well, being it's found. Well, no, oh, I'm sorry. Okay. It ended with an ending. <laughs> that, um, I j- it just felt every time it feels like it's getting going, it stops again for me. I think I loved it. I'm going to be watching them pretty quickly. I'll probably watch another one after this. After we finish this recording, well, as is the way, you can watch all of them. They're all on the iPlayer now. They're all they're all downloaded to my hard drive already. Yeah, ladies. Like, there wasn't really anything to add from what you guys have said. If I'm honest, uh, I, you know, as a fan of the genre, it almost felt like a love story to nordic noir it mm. had every trait in it of nordic noir and it kind of felt like with the fact that you've got these actors in it it almost felt like a best of a little bit to me <laughs> so I, I really enjoyed that so yeah i'm looking forward to watching the rest okay well as we say they're all on iplayer thank you bbc the subtitles were in a slightly bigger text thank you <laughs> No, 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 but it was someone of an advantage. It is important, it is important, that. It is important, I remember, I can't remember which which one it was. It might have been one of the ones that ended up on, like, ITV. And I couldn't read the subtitles, so I wasn't going to watch the programme. Was it the one where the girl was the plant? No, no, not that one. There was another one. (laughs) No, it wasn't George Strop or whatever it was. (laughs) It was another one, and the subtitles were so small, I thought, I'm out. And it was probably a very good show. So that is all on the player now. With large subtitles, the investigation. Uh, next up then, ITV's latest crime twisty show is Finding Alice. This stars Keely Hawes as Alice. Uh, she moves into this dream house that her husband has built. It's built as a smart house. You just tell the curtains to open and they open. You turn the, tell the lights to turn on and they come on. And she finds on their first night in this house her husband dead at the bottom of the stairs and it's a story of was he pushed did he fall who had something to do with it but it's also a story of grief and how you come to terms with a sudden death like that co-starring some big famous faces Nigel Havers Jennifer uh, Jennifer Lopez Joanna Lumley (laughs) (laughs) Mister you're stealing my gimmick there Joanna Lumley uh, and Nigel Havers as her parents, and then Gemma Jones and Kenneth Cranham as uh, the deceased parents, Harry's. And it's also got a uh, newcomer, Isabella Pappas, in there as her daughter. And it's about these two people coming to terms with a sudden death and where does Alice fit in the world. I've been struggling, as you know, with lockdown number three. I've been struggling with life as it is for quite a while and really struggling to get on board with new stuff. It's a sin and this aside and I watched this and I know that it was you know perhaps tonally all over the place but I thought that the cold feet gang and and you know the people who like their drama with a bit of humor in it would enjoy it you know it was created by Keely Hawes and uh, her Durrell's writers Simon Nye so you know it's got a good pedigree behind it and, and I wrote this piece saying that it was warm-hearted and and good fun and not to be taken too seriously and that too many dramas would take this subject matter and make it too dark and I watched it on Sunday night and came back to Twitter and Twitter was on fire 
with hatred for this. And it really surprised me. I knew it wouldn't be everyone's cup of tea. I knew that when I wrote it because, you know, it does take some rather strange narrative turns. And there's some gags in there that feel a bit misplaced. But on the whole, I thought it had its heart in the right place and told a decent story. But there was proper hatred for it. People saying it was the worst thing they've seen all year. And I've spoken to other people that I follow on Twitter privately who've said... They just couldn't get on board with it because it was too tonally all over the place. It didn't know what to what to be. But I did find it a breath of fresh air uh, when I watched it on previews that ITV could have done something much darker with this and instead decided to take a more light-hearted re- approach. And when I said the Cold Feet Gang, then I immediately thought, oh, Gary's going to hate this. So, Gary, did you hate this? No, I didn't hate it. And I'm glad I didn't know about the Twitter backlash. I resonated a bit with the the, the storyline in the sense that there was a lot of incidental humour around death. And I do remember that, I mean, it's it's been on the podcast, when my dad died, there were a number of times when we as a family found ourselves laughing rather than crying over Mm. stupid little things that happened. And the reality of losing a loved one and dealing with the fact that it happened so quickly it resonated again with my uncle, you know, the, the stuff I went through with getting access to all mm. these bank accounts, you know, that phone call that she had with someone asking to get access to her money brought me back to how I was trying to get access to my uncle's PayPal account, yeah. you know, after he passed away. So there, there was a little bit of that. And I think, you know, the, the, the kind of little sweet relationship that she built up with the guy at the morgue was very good and very real to life. You know, when you, when you find yourself in those situations, obviously it's strangers that you're meeting in that role i quite like the fact that it was obvious that there was something wrong going on as the story unfolded you found out you know he was obviously somewhat of a dodgy businessman or he's involved in something dodgy there's issues around money and finances throughout the whole thing i feel like the daughter knows more than she's saying and she's hiding things and i like i liked the way in which they kind of made the house a character you know the fact they couldn't find the fridge they couldn't flush the toilet they couldn't open the curtains gave you that kind of comedy distraction from what was going on. And it's also got these things that all these houses have where it's all panes of glass, so you feel like you're you're being looked at all the time when you're supposed to be in in the safest place that you can be. You feel like you're overlooked and people are staring at you and things like that. I felt like the twist at the end of the first episode almost didn't feel like a twist. I don't know why, you know, because I think she found paperwork, didn't she, the little girl about a, a test or something or about a, it was a, frozen frozen sperm they that was kept. it and yeah. i felt like you didn't really need that in order it kind of ruined the twist at the end a little bit for me that would be my very only small niggle oh so will you continue yeah i think i will i think i'll watch it each week i think i'll record it and watch it each week the main backlash seemed to be that people didn't think that it knew whether it was a comedy or a drama, did that bother? Because I know Cold Feet you didn't like because it's it's neither one nor the other. That clearly didn't bother you as much. I here. I don't know whether perhaps it, uh, the, you know as I say the familiarity with the subject matter of death, but I didn't think it was going for anything more than like black humour. No. Mm. So as I say, maybe if I'd read some of the comments, I might have thought differently at the time. But watching it and reacting to it, just having watched it on my own and discussing it with you guys, I didn't feel that it was that bad for that i agree with you that the depiction of grief here i think was very 
realistic you know yeah. as you have i've lost my dad as well and i think as you said like it relates more to the death of your uncle which was a shock mm. and and it, it's how people react to the a death maybe that they didn't expect uh the the did you say alice papas was the actress who played the daughter isabella isabella papas her performance really resonated with me you know there's that great scene where she's on the cctv where alice sees her you know, crying and she's tried to be strong for her mum and put a brave face on it. She's, you know, breaking down inside. And I thought that really worked for me. And that is the show that I wanted to see, the show about Keely Hawes and the daughter struggling, you know, come to terms with the death of dad, of husband. It's all the other stuff that I had an issue with. You know, the mystery plot line, the, the struggling for the cash, the fact that he'd put the house in his parents' name, the fact that, you know, he had this mystery investor, that he's got this secret son who comes to the door at the end of the first episode, the performances from the supporting cast, Joanna Lumley, Nigel Havers, Gemma Jones, all felt like they were in a different show. Jennifer um, Lopez, any Jennifer thoughts? Lopez, you know, <laughs> it, was, it was a bit of an interesting cameo. The criticism that I saw online, Luke, was that, oh, we shouldn't be making light of this, you know. Of, but everyone was falling over themselves to praise Afterlife, which did a very similar thing. And I, I, I and, don't understand And more that. brutally, I would argue. Mm. I think there was about three different shows in here. Well, there's three three brains behind it. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's, it's like this I, podcast. Yeah. And it feels like, you know, it's been through several drafts on its way to the screen and everyone's throwing something in and not all of it's worked. And I would have liked that drama. It feels like at some point an executive ITV has, picked, has said, oh, no, we need like a, a mystery in here. We can't we just have like what you what you liked about it, Luke. And, and Gary, you know, you, you both picked up on the comedy drama about grief which is the show that I would have liked to have been like um, years ago, Life Begins with Caroline Quentin did a similar thing, you know. But I, I, I think it feels like it's been over the desks of about four or five executives, all of whom have said, no, we need this in here as well. Would this work better? And then when they've cast it, they've put, oh, look at all these big names. We've got all these familiar faces, Joanna Lumley, Nigel Havers, again, like Neil Patrick Harris being in It's a Sin, but amplified by about 100 I liked elements of it. Keely Horse was fantastic. The daughter was fantastic. But there was too much else going on that didn't work for me. I agree that the fact that you think that it's right, that it's more than one show. And I do think that somebody wanted to write a thriller and somebody wanted to write a comedy about death. I don't need all the surprise stuff. Mm. I don't need the sun turning up at the end of the first episode. I think that you've described what I was feeling a lot better than yeah. I did. And I think what drew me to it... But I am going to keep watching. Good. And I think what drew me to it initially was, as you said, Life Begins, it does feel like something that ITV of old would have made, you know, at home with the Braithwaite's Life Begins, Cold Feet. They were very good at these very human dramas. And so even though it had all these twists and turns popping up, that's not what I'll remember it for. When I think of the first episode, it's Keely Hall's you know, struggling to get out of the bed or her frustration to try and find out where the fridge was or her conversations with the guy who was at the morgue. It is a shame that people didn't take to it. The criticisms I've seen are somewhat unfair, but I mm. think Keely Hawes, the fact that we've seen her in two 
shows this week and over the course of the 300 episodes I'm not even sure how many shows we've praised her in but it just goes to show she can do just about anything and be believable in that in that world whatever you put her in uh, Finding Alice continues Sundays at 9 on ITV or you can go on Britbox if you're a subscriber or the ITV hub and get it in full there Gary are you making a cup of tea? No I think it's Matt Are you clinking some pots? No, I was just having a glass of water. I didn't really can say you could, but there you go. Have you told your friends about this podcast? Okay, here we go. No. It's just not my idea of a good time. Tell them now. That's what the people want to hear. This is the Custard TV Podcast. Good to the last drop. From thecustardtv.com. Finally, on the pod this week, uh, it was going to be one division. Then I watched that and thought we can't really... You know, give a proper. When you say we can't give a pro, do you mean you couldn't? When you yeah, say I couldn't we. add anything. I yeah, I, add anything. I, I, I think you would feel, oh, I'm missing something if I haven't seen the Marvel films. Don't well, don't I, put us in here. That's what you said, yeah. But <laughs> I'm, I'm with Matt. I could have easily. I yeah. mean, I haven't yet, but I I feel I could have. So that one's on yeah. you, Luke. But it's, it was it was I it was I love hold on, Lucy. Hold on. Basically. Send your hate mail to mm. at Luke Custard. TV. He feels the bigger boys will pick on him for not being a Marvel fan. Are Marvel you more DC, is. Luke? Is that what it is? That's what it is. I... <laughs> That's the problem. So in the end, I asked the lads if they wouldn't mind watching the new Netflix documentary, The Night Stalker. This took place in the early. Well, actually, 80s. Luke, Luke. You've forgotten yeah. the colon, come on. What's the co- You know I love a colon, but I can't think what it is. Night Stalker, colon, the hunt for a serial killer. Thank you. The- you know I love oh, a good colon. Yeah. This is the hunt um, for a serial killer <laughs> <laughs> across uh, Los Angeles and just basically Southern California and eventually Northern California. This man breaks into homes at night and uh, either rapes or shoots or, or viciously attacks his victims. And it follows the investigation helmed by uh, Frank Solero and Gil Calero as they investigate who this person is, what the clues are to find out who he is, and basically just run through it in the same way as the investigation, quite methodically. The, the two guys are there. It tells you their backstory and how they met up and became obsessed about this case and how it took hold of the whole Los Angeles area and there were people terrified to go to bed at night and it's just horrific. There are four episodes on Netflix and I did I I know you could have watched One Division, Gary, but this seemed up my street and definitely up yours. <laughs> when I, I say I, that, I, I don't I, mean I, up I, yours. I, I, I didn't feel that this was the greatest drama documentary on, on, on serial killers I'd ever seen. I do think it's up there, but it's not, not as high quality as the others. And I do think they're relying a lot more on the fact that they have the actual detectives to interview rather than going into too much other detail. How many did you watch in the end? I've watched one, but I do know oh, okay. I, I will be watching the others. You know, it, it, it's okay. going to be something I continue with. So I'm basing this on my on my my viewing of episode one. I I think it's portraying as LA as a character. I think yeah, you've got great access. You've got a real feel of what was going on in LA at the time. I, I'm looking forward to learning more. As you say, episode one draws you in 
without giving you too much information. You know, you have no, they've not got a suspect. They've not really know the, the scale of how many people he's killed yet. So there's a lot to reveal in the later episodes. And as I'm... it goes on, we hear from victims who have been lucky enough to survive. We hear from grandkids uh, who have lost yeah. their grandparents over this. I don't know whether it was in the first episode, but there's this sweetest girl who was taken by him at six years old overnight and stuffed in a duffel bag. And she's now in her 30s sat there talking about it. It's remarkable. Yeah. That was very, very hard hitting. That was... So speaking as someone who watched this all over two nights, the four episode with the family, I mean, we were we were entirely gripped. Matt, how many did you watch? Just the one. And I found it a real slog, if I'm honest. It was mainly just interviews with, you know, the police. Well, well, well. Shopping for a car? Yep. Carvana made financing a car as smooth as can be. Oh, yeah? I got pre-qualified instantly and had real terms personalized just for me. Hmm, doesn't get much smoother than that. Well, I got to browse thousands of car options on Carvana, all within my budget. Doesn't get much smoother than that. It does. I actually wanted a car that seemed out of my range, but I was able to add a cosigner and found my dream car. It doesn't get much... Oh, it gets smoother. It's getting delivered tomorrow. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get pre-qualified today. Looking to give back this holiday season? Donate to the Army Historical Foundation. For 40 years, the Army Historical Foundation has ensured our nation never forgets the sacrifices of those who serve. As the Army's nonprofit partner, the Foundation constructed the National Museum of the United States Army. The Foundation's work also extends beyond the museum's walls, restoring artifacts, touring historic battlefields, and remembering all we owe to America's Army veterans. Donate today at armyhistory.org. And the journalists, really, you know, they did have the odd person who was linked to the victims. But I, I just found this really slow, plodding, didn't get on with it at all, really. Interesting. OK, I, I think you had a similar reaction to the one I had with the, the investigation. Yeah. But yeah. With, with crime documentaries, I think they need to give you something different in the stuff, whether it's you know, 24 hours in police custody, which we talked about. We had the, you know, the, the almost sort of stranger than fiction story, you know, of the, of the woman and, and, and seeing her on screen or, or something like a Millions, which is all these different sort of colourful characters. You didn't have any of that here. You had, you know, very much these career police officers. It was an interesting case, but we didn't really get to that much, in the, certainly in the first episode. And I'll take you back to what you always say about a first episode yeah, having draw to draw you in. You in. Yeah, uh, and it, it and this, it took me a couple of sittings to work my way through this. For Netflix, it felt quite cheaply produced as well. You know the way they they yeah. sort of showed you the the layouts and the and, and and the music that you know this moody music that they used it all felt very cheap like it had been taken off like discovery or something or you know one of those type true crime channels that you get rather than like a netflix or an hbo i i would have expected bigger production values as well what was it then luke that you liked about it it just had everything that i do like in these true crime dramas I, in that I really... first episode specifically though what drew you in about to be it? to be fair you'll have to remind me do you remember how the first one ended so Frank and, and Gil become partners and they go to it's the it's the young sixteen year old girl who's been viciously the one attacked. In the duffel bag. 
they said how hard it was for them to see her and talk to her and interview her. And then they find the boot print and Frank asks Gil, tell me everything you've got. And then Frank goes, yeah, you're right. They're all connected. They work together to work out that it is a serial killer or the work of one person. That's where we get to at the end of episode one. For me, that first episode, it goes, then this person was murdered. Then this person was attacked. Then this person was murdered. Then we figured out, you know, that it might be the same person because of the, the shoe size. And then another person was viciously attacked. You know, there wasn't much more to it than that. I think unlike you, I think I did I did like the, the police pairing. I, I liked the mm. wide-eyed optimism and belief in, in what the police could be that Gil represented and the fact that he felt so honoured to be working with this guy who just come off a serial killer case and the paranoia that swept across LA because of this guy. And, it, and it, as I watched more, it was just, who's this person? He does some horrific things, mm. just some awful, awful things that you can't... But then this get. one specifically is yeah. made to be binge rather than yeah, it is. be a TV series then, really. Mm. I, I have to admit, I hadn't picked up on the fact there was only four. I think if I had done, I might have watched more before this show. I do apologise, because no, I think, right... Have. It's difficult when Luke is talking from a position of having watched it all mm-hmm. and Matt and I only yeah. watched one. So I, I can accept that Luke's enjoyment of the series is different to Matt and I's hesitation about a slightly stunted first episode. But to Matt's point as well, I do always say there has to be something in that first episode. And, and for me, that something was... Who is this awful person that's committing these crimes? How have I not heard of this story? Oh, I've heard of it. Uh, oh, did you? I, I never yeah. had. It completely yeah. passed me by. And I even knew... Yeah, I the, haven't the, heard the, of it either. The news reporter, I think it's Laurel somebody, she came to my school quite regularly to give talks. And she never mentioned oh, it. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, for me, it was that, how could I not have heard of it? Who is it? It just gets more and more horrific what he does as it goes on. There was just enough there that it did draw me in, and because it's Netflix, you can just go, right, we'll watch the second one, and I did, and then we ended up watching the third and the fourth one, and as a, I think it is, as a cohesive piece, it is up there in terms of enjoyment, for me, with Don't F With Cats, which is still top of my Stranger Than Fiction, amazing Netflix documentaries. That I, I, we just I, I slightly in. disagree, because I think, I feel like Don't F With Cats changed halfway through it started off like a very kind of fluffy internet (laughs) sorry i don't mean that yeah sorry it it started off as one thing and then there was a point where it just turned yeah and i don't get the impression that this show will do that i think it's already set up to be quite a dark story Mm, it is a dark story but there is a turn I sure. mean, okay. As I say, the end the, result that's the is just between you and me not knowing yeah. what's coming up. If you do finish it, the end result is just like something out of a film. I couldn't quite believe that that's how it ended. Yeah. But I, to Matt's point, having thought about it, the fact that I don't know where that first one ended, and we just continued on, mm. just didn't, there was just enough in it for me to be intrigued enough to go, I want to see what happens next. And fair enough, if you didn't feel like that, then that's fine. Uh, so the Night Stalker colon Hunt for a Serial Killer is all there on Netflix should you want to. Unusually, all four of the shows we've talked about are all available now in their entirety should you want to go and watch them based on what you've heard us talk about on the podcast. So Gary, you had one more bit of homework. Oh, Did you manage right. to achieve yes. it? 
I did. Hold on. I've got a. Uh, can you fill again while I just. Yes. In honour of this being a 300th podcast, Gary decided, took it upon himself. He said, Would you like, for all time's sake, a Matt versus Luke quiz to hey. end the proceedings? And I said, Definitely. If you're up for it, we're up for it. So it's my time to shine because I don't remember how well I used to do on these. Well, the good thing is is that I actually was a, a bit of a quiz master over Christmas. I prepared a quiz for our office Christmas party that we had on Zoom, and I ended up doing the quiz three times in total, one to a group of friends that I've been playing board games with over Zoom, and one to the small group that I attend as part of my church. So it actually got used quite well. So instead of reinventing a quiz, what I decided to do was just use this one. But it oh. is TV related. Okay, I just thought you'd worked on something special for me and Matt. Well, I yeah. Know, I'm working on this. I thought it was worth getting the most out of it that I could. <laughs> so there six. are six questions. Okay. So in each a slight change to the format, what I would like you to do is grab a piece of pen and paper oh. each. Oh, you could have told me before. Hang on. Well, I, sorry. Yeah, well, or, or write it on your phone. I mean, it's not, you know. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I know, sorry, I, Matt's just moved. He probably hasn't got a pen or paper to hand. Apologies. <laughs> okay. Luke lives in an office. Yeah, I do. I'm ready. Sorry, Matt. Are you, doing, are you just doing it on a blank piece of paper? I've had to do it on the back of a letter that I don't think I need. I've got a back of a, a bank not, statement. Not that Ooh. one about the vaccine you got earlier, Luke. No, it's not that. Yeah, it is no, that one. Yeah, say, you might need no, that. No, it is that one. You'll need that. Oh, right, the there are six questions. Please do not shout out the answers. So, uh, and what we will do is we will go through them, and then we will allow you to answer one each, um, and then you know to sort of reveal the answers, and then we'll do. So it's out of six, and I will find a tiebreaker if okay. needed. Question number one, and these are all based around Christmas television, which is Ooh, great for top. this time of year. In what year did Raymond Briggs's classic The Snowman first appear on TV in the UK? That's what year did the classic Raymond Briggs, The Snowman, no first appear on no, TV? In the you, yeah, I'm relying Google. upon you not Googling, not Googling this, please. Yeah, okay. Question two. Which member of the Simpsons family delivered the Channel 4's alternative Christmas message in 2004? You should know this because I had this as a question um, on a Boxmaster. How do you spell his surname? Nahasupima. Sislak. <laughs> Burns. Uh, question three. Over 30 million people watched EastEnders on Christmas Day in 1986 in an episode that culminated in Dirty Den handing Angie Watts what? We, If you listen to our Christmas special, Gary, we Gary. reviewed this. Yeah. Well, I don't listen but to it. I can't know whether it's a packet of crisps or the other thing. Yeah. It was a gin and tonic, wasn't it? Um, I'll, I'll, what, what, I'll tell you something. I'll read out some of the funny answers that my colleague gave because none of them had heard of it. Oh, really? On Christmas Day 2003, the final Christmas special of Only Fools oh, and Horses aired. Yeah. What was the episode called? Oh, this is... Uh, uh, fix! Why? Because he's Mr. Only Fools and Horses. He knows all the episode titles. Does. Number five. No, in know. Friends, what character does Ross invent to entertain his son Ben 
when he's unable to get his hands on a Santa outfit. You better have this tiebreak question sorted. I'm just looking it up. Well, no, he he hasn't. He won't need it because I I haven't got number four. Okay. Number six. The first dedicated Doctor Who Christmas special was broadcast in 2005. Which actor was featuring as the Doctor? I really hope I don't need this vaccine letter. Why? Because I've written... <laughs> oh, I <laughs> see. Holiday Armadillo on it. <laughs> oh, you're giving away the answer at number five there. Oh, there you go. Pencils okay. and pens down, please. I would say hand them over to each other, but of course you're not able to do that, thanks to social distancing. First one. In what year, Luke, did Raymond Briggs' classic The Snowman first appear on TV in the UK? I was genuinely not sure, so I went with 1980. I, I, I went Matt, 82. Matt takes the point. It's 1982 on Channel 4. Channel 4's not first long year. After it, not long oh, after Channel course. 4 first started. Yeah. Oh, wow, okay. Uh, number two, Matt. Uh, which member of the Simpsons family delivered the Channel 4's alternative Christmas message in 2004? That would be Marge. Correct. And Luke? Marge. So that's 2-1 to Matt. Question three. Over 30 million people watched EastEnders on Christmas Day 86 in an episode that coming out in Dirty Dan handing Andy Watts what, Luke? Divorce papers. Correct. Matt? Yeah, saying. Yeah. 3-2, Matt. Um, one of my colleagues said um, a diamond wedding, a diamond engagement ring. Almost the complete opposite. How young are your colleagues? I'm amazed. Some, not... of them were, some of them were in their 20, are in their 20s, oh, so... Okay. Like, they weren't even alive in 1986, so... Okay, but I just yeah. thought, we think of it as such an iconic TV moment, you just assume everyone knows. Um, right, number four. On Christmas Day, the final Christmas special episode of Only Fools and Horses aired. What was the episode called, Matt? Oh, I don't, I, I've gone for this, and I, I think it was one of those specials, but I don't think it's this. I've written down winners and losers. Incorrect. Luke? What's the right answer? Sleepless in Peckham. It is indeed called Sleepless yeah. in Peckham. I can tell you now, in the three versions of this quiz, you're the first person to get that right. Well, of course he would. <laughs> I'm an obsessive about that. Yeah. I know. I mean, I didn't... Yeah. Don't, I Which didn't one was Winners and Losers? There wasn't one called Winners and Losers. There's, there's a completely different ITV show that you've made on, up. Let me have a look. Maybe there was an early episode called Winners and Losers that I'm forgetting. No, you're right. No, there isn't one. No. Okay. Can't even give you okay. half a point for it existing. Aww. Now, I almost don't need to read out this question because Luke's already got the answer. So what was the character that Ross invented to help uh, with his son to send his son, Luke? The holiday armadillo, which is on the back of my you don't need the vaccine letter now. Holiday armadillo. You got the same answer. So that makes it, I think, for all. Yeah. Because you both got one wrong. So in, to avoid the tiebreaker, can you please <laughs> tell me... Uh, the first dedicated Doctor Who Christmas special was broadcast in 2005. Which actor played the Doctor at the time? Matt. I've got David Tennant. Luke. I've got David Tennant as well, but it was a complete guess because I don't know the. I think right. I think Tennant took over from Eccleston in the final episode of that first series, and then it was his Christmas special. And 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 that Christmas special was his first episode where he yeah. spent most of the episode in a dressing gown, I think, mm. or something. Um, a bit tie break time. So yes, Scotty's <laughs> dreading. Right, tie break time. To the nearest 
100,000. Oh. Please write down how many people watched Blankety Blank at Christmas. So what was the this rating? Year, yeah. the for the Bradley Walsh yeah. to the nearest hundred thousand. So you mean, for example, if it seven point seven, for correct. example, yeah. yeah, okay. And I will then go with the winner will be whoever gets the nearest. And I do have a second backup <laughs> if we need it. Right. So not revealing my answer, I will let Luke go first with his answer. I thought it got something like 2.5 million or something like that. So I'm going to say like 2.580 or something like that. Well, that's okay. You don't need to be that specific. So 2.5, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Matt? I've inversed Luke's answer and gone for 5.2. Well, I can reveal that one of you has got within 0.4 of the actual answer. And it's Matt. Yeah. 5.6 5.6 million people. Watched. I thought it was five point something, but I couldn't remember exactly. Because I, I remember the five, but in the wrong I remember, place. Uh, Luke BBC now needs won. to resign from the podcast because yeah. yeah. he doesn't know anything about ratings for Christmas. So, I just um, remember BBC One the night was all around five point something, five point something, five point something, roughly. So well, there you cheating go. if you remember it, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> you know I was going to ask it, and neither did I until ten minutes ago. So, <laughs> I like that you said I won't reveal my answer. But you well, the answer. Yeah, I just guessed it. You know, I didn't look it up. I didn't bother googling it. I just thought, what do I think it got? Yeah, great. So, congratulations, yeah. Matt. You are the 2021 winner of Matt versus yeah. Luke. Because who knows when we will play it again? Thank you I, very much I, for joining us on this uh, special 300th. It's Made been a pleasure. Num- yes, it, thank you. It's great catching up with you guys again. And as always, I wish you every success. With the podcast, I wish I had time to join more. Do ask me again when you have a gap or a special occasion, uh, yeah. you know, to, uh, to celebrate. He will call you upon you on episode six hundred. You'll be our first call. Um, I probably won't be. I probably be about seventy at that point, and I probably won't be watching television, will I? Well, you're, you're still watching. Actually, your TV I habits think, won't change. It will still mean, be the. I think show. we should have him back in. In August for the 10th anniversary. I'm on annual leave next week. I think for my holiday, I'm going to the kitchen. Ooh, don't spoil yourself. Well, you, oh, no. you, you made a lasagna the other day or something that you were very pleased about. On oh, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm cooking that again this afternoon. It's a pasta bake. It's got This one's going to be vegan. Uh, so it was a sausage and veg pasta bake. You've but changed, this one, I've man. Got, I've, got, I've got vegan sausages and vegan cheese and brown pasta. Because I'm making it for my sister as well, who's a vegan. I'm doing... trying it, and uh, I'm, I'm giving her some. You still have the food diary? Yeah, yeah, I still have the food diary because I'm seeing the diabetic nurse at the, her surgery. Um, Shouldn't you see someone without diabetes, really, to to know what they're talking about? If the nurse has got it as well, you're not going to well, learn it, anything. It just helps, you know. It's real life experience. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. No, I can't say that. I was going to say something really bad there, and I'm not going to. I might take off air. But um, <laughs> I feel like I'll stop myself. We need um, to end right now. We'll be back yeah, soon. We need to end right now. Bye. See ya. Rate and review us wherever you find us. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes, and Facebook. We haven't even pulled away from the drive thru, and you're already digging in the McDonald's bag. Aw, <laughs> babe. 
Just a few. <laughs> All right. I guess I can't blame you. Pass me some, too. <laughs> the smells too good to get it all the way home meal. There's a meal for every moment at McDonald's. And now your favorite spicy chicken McNuggets are back. Get a six-piece spicy or classic for just two bucks. Only at McDonald's. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Ooh, look at this steak. And the juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mmm. And then the fluffy egg. And real cheese folded over the side looking just so good. Mmm. Mmm. Grilled onions. And a butter bagel too. Thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. Mmm. Ba-ba-ba-ba. I participate in McDonald's. Well, well, well. Shopping for a car? Yep. Carvana made financing a car as smooth as can be. Oh, yeah? I got pre-qualified instantly and had real terms personalized just for me. Hmm, doesn't get much smoother than that. Well, I got to browse thousands of car options on Carvana, all within my budget. Doesn't get much smoother than that. It does. I actually wanted a car that seemed out of my range, but I was able to add a cosigner and found my dream car. It doesn't get much... Oh, it gets smoother. It's getting delivered tomorrow. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get pre-qualified today.